This is John Floridas. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. Our guest today is Chad Lawson. This is John Floridas. Welcome to Musicians Spotlight. I'm very pleased to be speaking by phone today with Chad Lawson. How are you doing, Chad? I'm well, John. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for making time to visit with us here on Musicians Spotlight. And I will start off by saying chadlawson.com. Pretty straightforward there for the name of the website. No uh, hidden 
umlauts or tildes somewhere <laughs> exactly. in, the, no. in the spelling of Chad Lawson. And, uh, and as I was, we were just talking before we started the interview, uh, a couple of different recordings. Well, we'll, we'll explain what the, the latest recording situation is here as we get into the interview. I'll just tell folks, uh, if you're not familiar with Chad's music, you may be familiar with it and not know that you're familiar with it. He's been a guest on NPR's Weekend Edition with Scott Simon, uh, also featured on CBS Sunday Morning, NPR's All Things Considered. He's the official composer for the Amazon television series Lore, and in addition to the podcast titled of the same name as well. His music has also been used for The Walking Dead, Vampire Diaries, and Viceland, and in addition has a number of different recordings, both under Chad Lawson and also the Chad Lawson Trio. Where I wanted to start, maybe Chad, was Charlotte, North Carolina. Because now as we're speaking by phone, you're, if I'm not mistaken, you're in New York? So I'm actually in North Carolina. Um, I lived. Oh, in, you are in North Carolina. Okay. I, yeah, yeah. So um, I lived in New York for just over five years, and um, really, so basically after Berkeley, uh, after I went to Berkeley College of Music for two years and uh, dropped out, much to my mother's chagrin, and um, and just decided that I wanted to be doing music outside of the academia domain, and so after Boston, I came back to North Carolina for a little while, which is where I'm originally from. And then once I was having success with the jazz trio, um, decided to do what every jazz musician um, has in their heart to do, uh, which is move to New York. <laughs> so, of course. Exactly. So moved to New York and did that for a number of years, did various things. I, I um, did a tour with Julio Iglesias in 2007, and then I was a studio musician at Sony before they closed the doors there. So New York was really good to me, but you know, New York is, yeah, New York is for two types of people: uh, the really young or the really rich. And when you're in either one of those, it's mm -hmm. it's time I've to get that. out. Exactly. So. Um, uh, my wife and I, we decided to leave New York uh, and move back to North Carolina and um, just start a family here. And I have to be honest, it's it's a lot easier here as far as you know raising a family and what have you. And, and pre-COVID, I was in New York about every two weeks or so. So I was still getting my fix because I, I miss it every hour of the day. Um, but yeah, it's quieter here in, in Carolina. So I, I welcome that completely. Yeah, the, the mountains are are definitely a respite.
Chad Lawson, a pianist and composer, joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. Chad, I want to get a little deeper into the musical journey for you. And I know that Shanana plays a part in this, which I think is awesome. <laughs> you maybe have to be of a certain age to understand the Shanana influence uh, in, 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 for, for, for our culture. Although I did hear a great story about how somehow the, some connection with them and Jimi Hendrix, like Jimi Hendrix, I think was what? the one who got them the gig at Woodstock. Yeah. There was a whole feature on one of the NPR shows. Um, yeah. I, so I've got <laughs> to find that. That's amazing. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure to send you the link, but, but tell me how Shanana worked into your world and how that was maybe one of your first influences. Well, John, I have to say, I'm incredibly excited to be speaking to someone that I don't have to educate who Shanana is. So that's, <laughs> thank you. It's amazing. <laughs> that being said, um, I did not grow up in a musical environment. Um, you know, neither of my parents were, you know, musically inclined. And so we used to sit around um, when Shanana had a television show. And I had no idea what the instruments were. I had no clue. But there was a guy on stage, and he was just having the time of his life. I was five years old when uh, at the time seeing this. And I was just completely spellbound. And I was like, that's what I want to do. So, Should I interrupt in just a second here and just let folks, for, for those folks who don't know what, you've, what we're even talking about, yeah. can we just explain just a little bit? Sure. What, what, yeah. So if you're imagining what, you know, the five-year-old Chad that's Lawson is point. watching that's on television. Point. Yeah, that's a great point. So um, Sean and I was basically a doo-wop band who, who, who would just have these um, concert performances, if you will, on, on television. And it was almost like a... Um, well, essentially, we can tell folks that they it was like a '50s revival yes, a that was happening yeah, in revival. the '70s. Yeah, yes. yeah, and and it kind of coincided with the film American Graffiti and the TV show Happy Days, and there was this great nostalgia in the '70s, looking back at the '50s. Yeah, I, I just made you feel good, and and so that was that was honestly it. So that was, um, yeah. Imagine today. If there were like a, a made up television band and you just watched them before happy music and uh, and that was your reprieve from, you know, the week of chaos. So, right. um, so obviously my parents were like, okay, this is very interesting. So they rented a piano because who is going to believe a five-year-old? And so um, I started taking piano lessons then and 40 years from you know later i'm still taking piano lessons so i've never quit and as i recall you initially immersed yourself more in the classical training mm -hmm. and then which led you to berkeley uh, berkeley college of music and it was there oh wait somewhere in there was a wedding band right so i um you are spot on so i was chained classical um because i think that was just the traditional approach of like well you know what do you do with a kid that wants to learn piano? You put them in piano lessons and you know you teach them Bach and whatever. And so there was a conservatory in Baltimore, um, Peabody Conservatory. And I had such incredible dreams of attending there. That was, I mean, I had posters of it all over my room. And like, I just oh, knew wow. that's exactly, it might like all eggs, one basket. And so during this season, I was approached by a local wedding band and at this time, I was like 16, and uh, they said, hey, would you like to make some extra cash, you know, playing some music? And I was like, of course. And they're like, great, you know, learn these songs. We'll see you next weekend. Here's the you know, date, time, yada, yada. And it was music I had never heard of. It was like Stevie Wonder and CCR and, you know, all of these pop songs that I just completely had just missed completely. And so it was amazing to like sit and hear this 
new paint, this new canvas of, of music. And I was just like, whoa, this is amazing. And so the more I began to learn, the more I wanted to learn even more. I was just like, okay, I want to learn how to play, you know, country, Western really well. And so I would, I would dive into that, you know, and I would say, okay, well, about blues. And it was tremendous. I mean, I still had like the, the passion for classical music, but all of a sudden there's like this whole other genre um, that really just interests me. And so that's when I really started saying, well, how can I do this for a living? And that's where the idea of potentially being a studio musician came about. So I'm um, I'm auditioning at Peabody. I'm doing the whole classical spiel. And uh, they're like, okay, it's fine, it's fine. Let's have some questions and answers. And one of the questions was, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> and I said, I want to be a studio musician. And she looked at me straight in the eyes and she goes, you're in the wrong place closed the book and was like next (laughs) you're just like you're just like are you kidding me and um so that's what led me to berkeley so while i was at berkeley fortunately there weren't that many pianists there um that had interest in being a studio musician and so i was doing sessions all hours of the night and my grades reflected that and it got to the point where I started getting phone calls outside of Berkeley um, to do sessions. And so I'm like, why am I going to school to do this? You know. And then mm-hmm. at the time, um, a friend of mine gave me a call and said, hey, there's a guitarist who's going on tour. His name is Babik Reinhardt. And Babik is the son of Django Reinhardt. So any of you oh, jazz aficionados know, um, you know, Django, Hart, Django Reinhardt was legendary. And so his son was doing a tour. And I got called to ask if I wanted to join it as far as playing keys. I said, of course. Are you kidding me? So the combination of, you know, the tour and then also just my wanting to 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 go further into being studio musician on my own um just really led to my kind of um bailing so after two years of of berkeley i decided to kind of you know just study independently so you know i i decided to leave berkeley and study independently and just continue pursuing steps in music
This is John Floridas. You're listening to Musicians Spotlight. We're speaking today from, uh, now did you say, are you actually in Charlotte right now? Or are you yeah, undisclosed yeah, location? Yeah, I'm in Charlotte. Okay, yeah, so, from, so from Charlotte, North Carolina, pianist and composer Chad Lawson. Chad, I wanted to ask you about your early work with the Chad Lawson Trio, some really nice stuff. I was really enjoying listening to that and checking that out, and in particular, your unique covers of like Black Hole Sun and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I want to just touch a little bit on, on that phase of your career. Um, it, it's, I would imagine that's, that was a pretty pivotal point, whether, you know, I, I don't know if you still pursue that kind of avenue for your stuff or not, but it certainly led you to what you're more well-known for presently. So I wanted to touch on that and get your feelings about the, the trio. Yeah. Um, so years ago, back in 1997, um, after being home from school and all this kind of such after Berkeley, um, I decided to record a jazz trio album of just original material. And it was never meant to be released publicly. Um, it was actually just a Christmas present to my mom. So fast forward a couple of months, and you know, you have to keep in mind this is late '90s. This is you know pre everyone being on their their phones and on the internet. And there was a post about you know this radio DJ in Raleigh. He was looking for um, some music, and the the DJ uh, at this radio station just outside of Raleigh, he just ran with it. He just he was just like, oh my gosh, this is. This is lovely. He's like, where can I get this? And like, well, you know, I haven't really made any copies yet. That really started the whole idea of the jazz trio. And then after that, we did an album called Dear Dorothy, The Oz Sessions. And so we took all of the songs of The Wizard of Oz and we created them in a jazz uh, landscape. And so one thing that you'll always find about my music is, you know, regardless of genre, is I'm always trying to find ways of, of connecting with people. So, you know, the, as much as you can create original content, you still have to have that um, songbird that they're familiar with or it's something mm-hmm. that they can attach to. And so what better thing than The Wizard of Oz? You know, we all have our memories, be it good or bad, of our very first experience of seeing that movie and being scared to death, as I was. But you still have like those, you know, nostalgia. Hashtag flying monkeys. Oh, my word. But, Sorry, exactly. <laughs> but you have that nostalgic <laughs> moment, you know. And so that album did really well. And then the next album uh, was Unforeseen. And, you know, per your question, I wanted to bring in some really cool ways of approaching what I was listening to at the time, you know, which is, you know, Soundgarden and, you know, the Beatles. And so there's always that and the police. And so there's always that hint of like, what can I do to attract people that aren't attracted to jazz uh, that will interest them but also still keep the jazz audience you know pretty happy with this
what I've learned is jazz has its place and I love it. And, um, but it, it wasn't until I started doing solo piano music that I started to receive emails and emails and messages of people saying, Hey, I'm going through a really hard time in my life and this is really helping me. You know, I started getting emails of like people saying they were going through a divorce or they had just watched a loved one pass and that they would go home and they would put the music on and even for, you know, 30, 40 minutes, the world just kind of stopped. That was kind of a kind of a eureka moment in the sense of, hey, this isn't about Chad Lawson. This is about affecting other people and what they're going through in life. And so that's when I really started transitioning from the trio into more of the the solo piano stuff. Because at that time, this was around 2008, 2009, um, I had been struggling with a thing called ulcerative colitis for a number of years. For those that aren't familiar, it's kind of like Crohn's and a roundabout way. And writing that album and recording that album was a complete um, cathartic process not only um, for me emotionally, but also physically, as far as the healing is concerned. And, you know, without even making any of that stuff public, when I released the album, there were so many people that responded and, and, and said, hey, this album is really meaning something to me and can't really put a finger on it, but just wanted to share and, and just let you know. And that really is where I started saying, you know what, I want to do this further. I want to go further into this direction of creating music that's going to help people. We'll be back with more of our visit with Chad Lawson here on Musicians Spotlight. Welcome back to Musicians Spotlight and our visit with Chad Lawson. Thank you. 
Chad Lawson joining us here on Musicians Spotlight. Chad, you mentioned earlier in the interview a piece from the most recent recording, mm-hmm. and I wanted to talk about that a little bit, and particularly, and kind of tying this all together, the concept that, if I'm not mistaken, part of this benefits Mental Health Awareness Month or something specific to mental health. Am I correct about that? Exactly. So um, we released the EP Stay uh, in May. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And so the EP were five songs from the album You Finally Knew. And then we released the album You Finally Knew in September. But we wanted to really get something out there for the month of May because May being Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, Over the number of years, I've really been studying the the marriage of music and mental health because it's been so... um, that's the thing that I hear so much, so frequently. And so I really started saying to myself, well, why? What actually happens physically that music affects us this way? And it's really fascinating. You know, we have these hormones called BDNF, which is basically what they call a happy hormone, and how listening to calming music, even three to five minutes, just elevates our mood. It increases these these hormones. And so that's really just been mind-blowing to me. And so I've just been diving further and further and further. And what has been so tremendous is attaching this and seeing how people that are going through emotional struggles or mental health issues of how music such, I mean, you even have mentioned this being a part of music therapy. I mean, you have, I'm sure have seen this as well, where like music is such, um, has such an impact on those who are going through difficult times. So that's why May was really important as far as releasing the EP um, surrounding that. And so to go further with it, you know, the interesting thing, unfortunately, about COVID is that it has everybody in lockdown. You know, I'm supposed to be everywhere from, you know, Toronto to Tokyo right now with this new album, and that's not the case. So my idea was, well, okay, how can I connect with people if I can't travel? And if I were to connect with them, what would I say? And the resounding emails that I've been getting almost daily have been, you are holding my hand through the most stressful, anxious time in my lives. And there was a woman that emailed the other day. It was on a Saturday morning. I'll never forget this, ever, ever. And she goes, I'm listening to your song. And she goes, the tempo of the song is in concert with my husband's breathing as I sit as I sit and I watch him breathe his last few breaths. And I, I have chills right now. Um, that just shook me, you know, and in a most in a most um, intimate way that someone would would just write and share that. And then for my music to be a part of that memory, like this this woman's last memory of her husband has my music attached to it. And that's something that I just, I, I still have a hard time uh, accepting, to be honest, because it's so, I, I, I just I don't even have a word for it. But all of that to say, mental health and emotional health has really had a huge impact on me in the last at least two years, if not a little bit more, but it's only been within the last year and a half that I've really started just digging into this and saying, okay, 
what is it that music does and how can we you know progress this further in doing so and it's been so interesting even September was Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And right. so I had done an episode in the podcast about suicide. And someone sent an email saying, I've been listening to your music for so many years. I'm about to ball right now. I've been listening to your music for so many years. And the day that it was released, this year episode on suicide, was my 13th year anniversary of attempting a suicide of my own. And he said, the fact that I've been listening to your music for so long and then that you're bringing the conversation of suicide and emotional health and wellness to you know, the dinner table, he's just like, thank you. It's just, thank you. And so I think, I think what we're seeing in this circle of music is how it does affect people so much. And I think we would be remiss if we just kind of said, oh, okay, cool, that's great. I hope you feel better. You know, it's just like, no, you know, we're meant to get into the grid of life with people. We're meant to say, hey, what can I be doing to help you? And so that's with this album, uh, you finally knew. And then with everything moving forward, I mean, that's really just my heart. You know, when I go back and say it's not about Chad Lawson, it's it's not.
Chad, a lot of different things I want to touch on, but I'm going to come back to what you were just talking about, that concept of creating something through music that has, a, yeah, a far more profound effect. And I don't, I don't want to dismiss the effect that music would have under normal circumstances or whatever, but, but particularly, I guess, when you, as a musician, receive that kind of feedback from someone who tells you the, the significance, mm -hmm. the, the idea that... Oh, that's that's incredibly profound what that guy said the the, the the concept of i've been listening to your music for 13 years and it's the anniversary of my attempting suicide right and oh my gosh i've been alive 13 more years yeah i mean that's that is intense and it's amazingly intense and i guess what i wanted to ask you about is you know as musicians that can be an intense experience for you to take that in it can be overwhelming unless you maybe maybe you've already touched on this you know the concept of of preparing yourself to be accepting of that kind of intensity in in people's experience with your music yeah um i mean that's there's a there's a lot there and um i know Sorry. no 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 it's good it's great I, I i absolutely love it i mean as a musician you know i record i've recorded everything in my own personal studio and with the exception of this new album um and the interesting thing is you never see what happens to that album once it leaves the door. You know, my room is mm. 10 by 20. It's super small. There's, you know, a piano here. I record it and then I upload it and it magically disappears. And from that point on, I never know where it lands, right? So like the audience that listens, you know, unless they actually reach out, I have no idea where that goes. And so what I'm just trying to do is create something that's going to go out that door. And I'm hoping that it reaches into the lives of others. And, you know, you, you get the emails, you know, I was playing your music when the baby was born or what have you. And so like, you're grateful. You're grateful for those. You know, the one thing I keep going back to is I'm grateful for the, for the fact that these people are bringing me into the more, their most memorable moments in life. And I love that. And then to your point, how do you make sure that you're not, carrying that or owning that to where it's just like, oh my gosh, I need to make the perfect song because this song is going to help someone after a breakup, right? And so it's- That's just, what I'm getting to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, and that's, you know, me personally, I have to realize that every single person that hears my, not only my music, but everyone else's music, they are in such a different stage of life or even the stage of the hour than the next person. Like what I'm going through right now is entirely different than what you're going through. And it's entirely different than what my neighbor is going through. But we're going to hear the same song and we're going to be affected by it in, in so many different ways. And so I've had to I've had to say, you know, I'm actually just going to write music that I'm feeling right now um, of what I'm emotionally going through. And then if people see it in a different light, then that's really tremendous, you know. Um, it's interesting because, like, you know, even on the new album, there's a song called I Wrote You a Song. And you're the first person I'm going to tell about this as far as interviews are concerned. So I don't know if I can make it through. Um, a couple of weeks ago, my, my, my father was diagnosed with a very aggressive cancer. And so the idea of creating something that's a piece of art means that it will live forever, right? And so like this album has a song that I've written for my father called I Wrote You a Song because I wanted him, or at least a memory of him, to be around forever, right? So when people hear this song, whether they realize it or not, they're gonna be hearing about my dad. That song has resonated with so 
many people. It's one of the most stream song. It's the second streaming song on the album. And that's without us even trying to pitch it to anyone. It's just, it's, it's caught the ears of so many people. And the interesting thing is the, the, the emails that I get from people that love that song, every single story is different the way it's impacted them. It's just like, oh, this is the most beautiful song because like I was having this experience with such and such. And it has nothing to do with what I was going through. And I think we have to realize that like, that's just going to be the case with anything that's art. It's just so subjective. Um, I, you know, I'm very big into transcendental meditation. And so that's, that's one thing that just kind of clears my head and just says, and just, you know, I'm allowing myself to do realize that my music is a vessel of how people heal and how people um, emotionally go through things. And so I'm just trying to be, you know, the, the, the vessel of that, so to speak.
This is John Floridas. You're listening to Musicians Spotlight. We're speaking today with composer and pianist Chad Lawson. Chad, I, I want to acknowledge that you know we've just uh, talked about some really intense stuff, some very personal stuff, and I want to thank you for sharing that. And we are going to just switch the, the, the tenor a little bit, but I think it's apropos because this is all part of being a musician and, and maybe even touches on what we were talking about in terms of preparing yourself to be receptive to hearing uh, the experiences that people have with your music. And that is, I'm going to switch over to something which I didn't know before I made this phone call. Uh, your interest in martial arts, and as you said, very physical, <laughs> <laughs> very physical uh, exercise. And, 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 and so I want to talk about that because, of course, musicians who even do the most gentle music have an entirely different side to them, generally speaking. And uh, so talk to me a little bit about some of these things that you do outside of music. And let's, let's specifically dive into mixed martial arts. <laughs> well, I've always wanted to be 007. I mean, I've just always had, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, would, you would do so good because you could hide, you could kind of hide behind the piano player guy <laughs> thing go. and then you could bust out your, your moves. Exactly. You know, it, it is so funny and you hit it right there. It's just like, but he plays such calming music, you know? And I, I think that's actually what I wanted. I wanted to find something so completely opposite to where you're just like, what you, you're doing, but your hands, you know, um, I wrestled all through high school, which is really odd uh, for anyone that personally knows me in, in, in the real world. Um, I'm a huge runner. I love to run. I, and that's where I get all of my ideas. Um, there have been many times where I'm running and then I'll stop and I'll open up Evernote and I'll be like, oh, it's a great idea. And then I'll run 10 feet and then I'll open up Evernote again. And I'm like, oh, am I running or not? But then I wanted to do something that was just different than running. I wanted to find something a little bit more physical and then that's really where I found Krav Maga, um, which for those who don't know, the root of it is like Israeli martial arts in a roundabout way. Um, so it's really aggressive. It's very physical. It's very violent, to be honest, to be blunt. But almost imagine like, you know, kickboxing kind of thing. Uh, and that's what that was. And so I did that for about a year and a half. And then I wanted to find something a little bit more, with all due respect, cerebral, um, to where just a little bit more calculated approach. And so that's where I found Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I mean, there were times I would come home and like, you know, my ribs would just be sore and I wouldn't be able to move for a day or two. And and she's like, love, you're in your 40s. You shouldn't be doing this, you know. <laughs> but I just I I just loved it so much because it was so extreme. It was so complete opposite. And um and unfortunately once COVID hit, everything just kind of shut down and the other concern was obviously the fingers, uh, particularly with jujitsu. Uh, I have a couple of friends of mine that have really messed up their fingers. And so it probably was uh, best that uh, I had to bow out, but I just missed that. I missed just sweating and just getting my butt thrown all over the mat uh, and then just coming home and playing peaceful music. Because I think if, if you're eating the same diet all the time, it gets rather bland and um, there's you know nothing wrong with playing piano music you know 24 7 but after a while you're just you know you, you need to change the pace and so because otherwise your music is going to be bland right and so like if you have life experiences that push you 
that I mean, oh, oh my gosh, like and and during the highlight of doing like jujitsu, I was so inspired musically because it just I felt strong, you know, I felt like mm-hmm. I like I like I could accomplish something, and so I didn't have those. Oh, let me see what I can do. I'm like, no, I'm gonna freaking fight for this thing. ChadLawson.com is the name of Chad's website. 
You Finally Knew is the name of his most recent recording and look for that online and please download it to help our guest along in his, in his career. And uh, yeah, just a, a great opportunity to get a chance to talk shop with you today, Chad. And really enjoyed getting to dive into your music and look forward to getting out more to the, the audiences here for our program, Musician Spotlight. So thank you so much for being a guest on the show. John, thank you very much. I really appreciate the time. This is John Floridas. You've been listening to Musicians Spotlight. Our guest today has been Chad Lawson. If you'd like to contact us, you can do so through the Montana Public Radio website, mtpr.org, as well as through our own website, musicianspotlight.org. You can also find us online on Facebook and on Twitter. Our program is available as a podcast from those websites, as well as through iTunes and Spotify. Musicians Spotlight is a production of Montana Public Radio.